Hi there, I'm Pastor Rod Fair from North Douglas Church, and this is North Douglas Church Online. Welcome. I'm glad that you are ready to take in this message today because I am beginning a new series for this summer called All About Jesus. You see, in our culture, there are a lot of voices shouting out for our attention. And a lot of those voices are calling attention to things that aren't really that important. There, there's a lot of things that are just a mutter and a clutter in our minds and uh, in our culture. And truthfully, there are things saying, buy this, buy this. And other things saying, you need to give to this noble cause. Or, you know, these things are really important and you need to come to our store. You need to come to our business. You know, there are a lot of things that are crying out for your attention. But when it comes down to living real life, the thing that we most need to pay attention to is the person of Jesus. And so this summer, we're going to teach through a series called All About Jesus so that we can concentrate on who Jesus is, what Jesus taught, what he did and and said, what his character is. And we want to delve into all the things about Jesus so that we can focus our attention on our Lord and Savior. I want to remind you that all of these messages can be found on our webpage, NorthDouglasChurch.com, as well as on our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and you can listen to these messages on podcast as well. If you have any prayer requests, then please send them to prayer at NorthDouglasChurch.com, and we'll pass them along to our prayer team. And today, at the end of this message, I am going to share uh, the communion service. So if you have some juice and you have a cracker, that you'd gather for yourself and any who are watching with you, then you can participate along with me when we come to the close of this message. All about Jesus. And so I wanted to start this series of messages by talking about, well, who who is Jesus? I mean, there are a lot of people that have heard the name of Jesus or they use Jesus' name as a swear word, really, in our culture. and um, But they don't really know who Jesus is. And so I just thought that, I would ask that big question right off the beginning, who is Jesus? You know, if I was to uh, introduce to you a brand new band and say, this is a different kind of music and uh, this band, you know, has this name, you might say, well, I'm not sure, who are they really? And I would have to try and describe what they dress like or what they do or where, where they come from, what kind of music they play and why you might actually spend time and listen to it. Now, many of you, uh, of course, have maybe grown up listening to Elvis Presley. And when he first came on the scene, people weren't quite sure about him. They weren't sure uh, about his music or the kind of thing. Of course, the younger generation loved it. And, um, And the older generation were really very, very cautious. And people were asking the question, well, who, who is this Elvis? Who is this Elvis person and and why is he doing what he's doing playing this kind of rock and roll music? You know, he had been on uh, television a number of times interviewing and then in 1956, actually it was June the 5th, he was on the Milton Berle show and uh, he played his iconic song Hound Dog and with all of the pelvis gyrating kind of dance moves and things that that was best known to Elvis, uh, he performed that and the the media and the the things just became uh, crazy around Elvis. 
Of course, like I said, the younger generation really loved it, but the older generation, the media weren't so kind. In fact, they, they literally said, this is an appalling lack of musicality. It is vulgarity. It is animalism. And uh, they used all kinds of critical words about Elvis. Now, we know that as history played out, that he became very popular and, you know, dozens and dozens of records and songs that were on the radio. And to this day, lots of people love to listen to Elvis music. But at the beginning, they weren't quite sure. And that's really what it was like with Jesus. When Jesus first came on the scene, there were a lot of people say, well, who is this guy? What, what is he about? What is he talking about? And they knew that he was a rabbi. They knew that he was a teacher. He had a following. He had some disciples. But the disciples, they weren't like what the other religious leaders had disciples. And so they were a real ragtag mix of people that were following Jesus. And Jesus was teaching and there were miracles and things happening. People were like, yeah, this is really great and amazing. And there were other people saying, oh, I don't know, this guy is a little bit crazy. And, you know, there were all kinds of different things that people were saying about Jesus. And so it came to a point where Jesus sits down with his disciples and said, who am I? Who do you say I am? What's the culture saying I am? And I want to read the scripture from Matthew chapter 16. And this is the, the way that it went about when Jesus asked that big question. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. You see, the people of Israel had been talking about Jesus and they wanted to know who he really was. And so many people were treating him as a prophetic character. They looked to the Old Testament and saw different prophets come to Israel and call people to be uh, people of God. And so they thought he was like one of those. But then Jesus wanted to know what his disciples thought. And it was Peter that really said these words. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And those, that confession of, of faith in Christ was just so important to all that was to come. Who is Messiah? What did Peter really mean when he said, you are the Messiah? You see, the Hebrew word for Messiah means anointed one. That means that they were expecting someone from God that would come and intervene in the midst of history. This was the Jewish expectation of what Messiah was. And so most of the Jews at the time had heard about the possibility of a coming Messiah and had been built up over uh, many generations and many years. And people were coming to expect that there would be a deliverer, someone from God that would come and deliver 
the people. Often they were thinking about political deliverance. They were thinking about someone that would be very king-like, that would come and deliver them from the oppression of Rome. And, you know, throughout Israel's history, many times they, people had cried out for deliverance from God and God had sent some sort of person to come and help them to defeat their enemies, to be able to move forward uh, in society, to be a people that were free. And that ultimately was the, the hope of the Jewish nation. When they talked about Messiah, they were looking for God to send somebody that would give them hope as a nation uh, and that they would bring into this uh, realm of their history a sense of peace, a sense of uh, favor and freedom and really prosperity for their whole nation. And so the Jewish expectation of Messiah really did center around that they were looking, uh, you know, from the prophets was to be a descendant of David. They were to have this political ruler who would be a righteous judge, someone that would be able to tell them what was right and lead them forward. Uh, a redeemer, somebody that would come and uh, save them from oppression, or somebody that would bring peace into their life. And ultimately, they would bring in this messianic age of peace that they were looking for somebody that was in the like a, a king like David that would bring their country into uh, an age of peace and of course in the modern time the Jews are still looking for a messiah to come and to rebuild the temple and that when the temple is rebuilt there would be a restoration of worship in Jerusalem so all of those things are uh, captured with the Jewish idea of messiah that God would send a savior, that God would send a redeemer that would help the people of Israel. Now, Peter makes this confession of faith and proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the savior to Israel, that he is this deliverer that is sent from God. And that is hugely important because he's proclaiming that Jesus, as the son of God, that he's the son of the living God, and the, the word living is really important because it denotes the fact that God is active, that God is real, that God is moving and involved and therefore can send this intervention to the nation of Israel. So Peter proclaims that Jesus is the son of the living God, that he is the Messiah, that he's come to deliver. And Jesus did indeed prove that, right? By, by dying on a cross, not that he would deliver people from Roman oppression, but that he would deliver people from their sins. That sin has a consequence. There's a punishment of eternal death that rests over mankind because of sin. There's a barrier between God and man because of sin. And Jesus would come, die on a cross, pay the price of that death so that people would be free to come to God the Father. And this was the deliverance that Jesus was to provide. Now, it's not the deliverance that Israel was expecting, but it's the one that they needed. And not just Israel, all of mankind needed this kind of deliverer. And of course, three days after dying on the cross, Jesus was raised from the dead and ultimately conquered death and the grave in order to prove that he had the ability, that God was restoring to mankind the ability to come into a new kind of kingdom, a kingdom that would grant eternal life, 
a kingdom that would uh, say to people that they could be close to God and that God would be their, their Lord, that he would be their God forever and ever, even after death. And so as we come to understand what Jesus was saying about, um, or what Peter was saying about Jesus, was the fact that he was this deliverer. Now, they didn't know about the cross. They didn't understand about what Jesus was going to do in overcoming sin. But they did know this. They did know that they trusted Jesus that they trusted Jesus with their very life, and that they believed that Jesus could intervene into their messy world and make a difference. Make a difference in not only their world, but in their life personally. And so this is the main point of my message today. Jesus is the Messiah for you and I. It's as simple as that, as Jesus is the Messiah, and he is a Messiah for you and for me. And it's really, really important that we understand that what Peter was saying in his confession of faith, saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah, that that's something that we can say, that we can come to Jesus in faith, trusting him, that he is our Messiah, our deliverer, our redeemer. As a savior, as a, as a redeemer from one that would overcome the punishment of sin in our own life, the judgment of sin is too much for us. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. And that is Jesus the Messiah. And we can experience that and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, there was uh, this story about a young student uh, in China. And he decided to play a trick on his elderly teacher. And he thought that he would capture this small bird and put it in his hand. And then uh, his teacher being so wise that he would trick him by asking uh, what was in his hands that were behind his back. And if the teacher uh, knew what it was, uh, a small little bird, then he would ask if it was dead or alive. And then if uh, the teacher said one thing, then he would make it happen so it was the other. And um, ultimately, he, he thought this was very clever and that he would uh, you know, play this, uh, this trick on this master of his. And so he came to the teacher, the one that had given him guidance and counsel, and he said, Master, do you know what's in my hand? He had his hands behind his back. And the master looked at him and said, you have a bird in your hands. He said, Master, can you tell me if the bird is dead or alive? And the master paused for a moment and looked at him and said, the choice is in your hands. The answer to that question is in your hands. And you see, that's the way it is with so many things in our life. It's not about whether we can predict the future or know what's going to happen. We have a choice to make. We have decisions that we make that have an impact upon our life. And so it is that we make a choice about what we will do with the knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah for you? This is an important question. You know, as, as we consider Peter's confession of faith, we are really confronted with this whole idea, is that what do we believe about who Jesus is? 
We know what Peter said, what he believed about it, but it matters about what we believe and whether we can come to grips with the idea that Jesus is the Messiah sent from God. Do we actually believe that he is our deliverer, that he is our savior? And can we believe and understand that he will make a difference in our life and make a difference in this messy world that we live in? That's what it means to come to grips with Jesus as the Messiah. It's interesting to me that in this whole conversation with Jesus, when Peter proclaims, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, that upon that revealing that identity to Jesus, Peter receives something back about his own identity. And Jesus delivers to him a, really a prophetic pronouncement, a revelation to Peter about who he is. And Jesus speaks to Peter about his own life and says, you are going to be Peter the rock. And of course, the, the root of that name Peter is a rock. He was really, it's a nickname like for like Rocky. And so he was saying to Peter, you're going to be this rock. You're going to be this pillar. And I'm not going to go into all of the things that that prophetic revelation could mean for, for Peter himself, but I want you to note that when we reveal and come into a place of faith within our own lives, when we believe that Jesus is our Messiah and we make that revelation, that announcement really publicly, then Often what happens is we end up receiving a place of identity and purpose. We end up receiving something for ourselves in our own character, where God speaks life into us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so the principle of faith really comes down to this. When someone places their faith in Jesus, they receive identity and purpose from the Spirit of God. And that happens to so many that come to believe in Christ and they, they can't understand why uh, just understanding this kind of knowledge. Well, the, the truth is it's more than knowledge that expands your understanding. It is a relationship that comes to be so very real that the Spirit of God breathes that eternal life into, into us. Our spirit becomes alive to God when we put our faith in Jesus as our Messiah. This faith, this identity, this purpose is so important to us, but it's important to God that he receives the glory, and he's happy to have us to be a part. You know, there are times within the athletic world where people are drafted, and maybe you've watched the NFL draft or one of the hockey drafts or those kinds of things where the young players are scouted out and they are ranked, and then the the teams are able to pick who they would like to have as their their next player. And they are able to pick from the best of the young guys that are coming up. And and so what happens is they go through this whole series about who gets to pick first and they trade off different picks, etc. But when it comes to the draft, a player is picked for that team and they receive what? They often receive a, a new jersey with their name on it. It has the team logo, it it has the team colors, and then their name is on that jersey. They're a part of that team. They're a part of that sports family. And those are really big moments for those players. 
Maybe you've had the opportunity to have a new baby added to your family. I know Cindy and I are looking forward to a new grandchild being added into our family. And it's an exciting moment to consider that, you know, there's a new child. There's a new part of the family that's added. And it's really interesting that uh, what we do around the birth of a baby is we give them a name. We give them an identity And it's such an exciting moment to not only have the birth of the baby, but to hold the baby and to call them by name. Because they belong. And that belonging is so important. In the same way, when we express our faith in Jesus Christ, we come into the family of God and we belong. We are part of something that is way bigger than just ourselves. We are part of God's kingdom. And we belong to the family of Christ, and so we are called Christians, or people that follow Christ. And so, that symbolism that happens to a new Christian about baptism is the fact that they go down into the water and are buried, their sins, their old life is buried with Christ, and then they come up out of the water, and it is a symbol of new life, of resurrection with Christ into this eternal life that he gives. And that's one of the reasons why we baptize people and they make this declaration of their faith in Christ because he is their Messiah. He is their Savior. And so I I come to the end of this message and I ask you again, do you believe? Do you have faith to trust Jesus as your Messiah, your Savior? I can urge you in no stronger terms than to say, you cannot save yourself, you need a Savior. You need a Redeemer, you need a Deliverer, and God has sent His one and only Son to be the Messiah for you. We're going to demonstrate our faith in Christ through the communion service. And so if you have some juice and a little cracker and you want to take that, uh, grab those emblems with me, we're going to share together around the communion table what it means to honor Christ in this way as our Messiah. You see, just as every believer is baptized to identify with Christ, we also share communion. In fact, we share communion more often. Um, We might be baptized once as a public declaration, but we might share communion every time we meet or every month or um, whenever it is convenient to gather and to honor Christ in our midst. And today we want to do that. We want to honor Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so we're going to take a a little piece of cracker or bread and we're going to remember that Jesus has given us his body. He's given us his life as a sacrifice for our sin. We're going to take a little cup of juice And we are going to remember that Jesus shed his blood as atonement for our sin. What he did on the cross was so important. And I know that the disciples didn't understand. They didn't get why Jesus needed to die. But the, the payment for the penalty of sin was huge. This atonement was was a massive part of what why Jesus came and what it meant for him to be the Messiah, to save people from their sins. He takes away the sin of the world. And when we put our faith in him, when we confess our sins to him, 
He is able to remove those sins, the guilt of it. We are no longer underneath a penalty or a punishment of sin. God forgives us. And so we come confessing, I need a Messiah. I've made lots of mistakes in my life. And I know most of you, if you'll be honest with yourself, have made mistakes in your life too. And so we come to God saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for messing up. I'm sorry for this sin wall, the sin barrier that comes between me and you. And when we confess and we come to God, we say, I'm sorry, I repent. I don't want to do that anymore. God, would you help me? We ask God to help us, to empower us to live a godly life, to do what is right, to have that relationship with him that is ongoing and life-giving. And so if you've never done that before, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, I'm going to encourage you to do that now before we share in these emblems. I'm going to encourage you to pray this simple prayer, just something like this. Dear Father God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, as a Savior for me. I know that I cannot save myself from your wrath against sin, and I ask for your forgiveness based on Jesus' sacrifice. I trust Jesus as my Messiah and ask that you help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, now that you've confessed your sin, I I want to remind you that God's goodness, his provision for your life is there for you. And as we take these emblems, we are identifying with Jesus and we're saying, we belong to God's family. You know, Jesus has done this for us and we remember and honor the sacrificial gift that he has given to us. And so we press on to live for God in our lives. And so Paul spoke these words to the church in Corinth as he encouraged them to share communion in a good way. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take this bit of bread in remembrance of Jesus Christ and honoring him today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for sacrificing your body for us. And Paul continued in 1 Corinthians 11 and said, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take this juice together in remembrance of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed and what he has done for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the sacrifice that you gave to us. Lord Jesus, we just come with gratefulness. We thank you that you have included us in your family. We know that you have been sent as Messiah. And we put our faith in you because we know that you make a difference. You have delivered us from the punishment of sin. But more than that, you've given us good life, eternal life. We thank you for just having us be a part of your family. We pray that you would continue to help us to know you better and to live for you every day of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
I want to thank you for being with me in the beginning of this series of messages all about Jesus because we want to dig in and explore the character and teachings and the actions of Jesus to know him better and to be able to emulate his character in a way that ultimately we are great representatives of Jesus Christ in this world as we follow him. So continue on with us. We pray that uh, you would just be uh, a real, have a real understanding about who Jesus is as your Messiah, as your deliverer. God bless you today.
your name. 